0: Good morning, I'm Gianna. I'm the Associate Pastor here at Incarnation. I wanna welcome you, especially if you're joining us for the first time, we're delighted to have you with us on this Christ the King Sunday, where we worship together the King above all kings. When my two older daughters were about three or four, or four or five, um, they went through this planet phase. Some of you guys know about the planet phase. Some of you may have heard this story before. And they were really trying hard to sort out like how the solar system worked. They had gotten some lesson at preschool or kindergarten. And so one day my oldest daughter came into the living room to try out her hypothesis on where the sun goes at night. And she said, mom, in the daytime, the sun is very near to us so we can see it. But at night, the sun goes behind the mountain and into outer space. And I thought, that's a pretty decent observation. And I could see how you would come to that conclusion. And actually, there are points in history you would be in very good company, but the sun is really big and very far away. And the earth is actually quite small And you and I are even smaller still. And even though it appears that the sun is revolving around us, showing up to give us light and going off behind the mountain when we're done with it, it's actually not the way it works. Actually, we are revolving around the sun. The sun is not revolving around us. Today is Christ the King Sunday, the final Sunday in our liturgical year. And today we sum up our year by remembering that the sun is really big and really powerful and that the sun is not revolving around us. Rather, we are revolving around him Our gospel reading this morning is the climax in a series of readings about the second coming of Christ, Christ coming again as King. And if you're newly joining us this morning, we have been walking through a series of parables in preparation for Advent that have been calling us to get ready and giving us some indication of what that readiness might look like. And in our gospel reading this morning, we come to the climatic vision of what we are getting ready for. Our reading begins today, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And here we receive a vision of the final judgment that will take place at the end of the age and Jesus Christ will be king and judge of all. And I just wanna invite us this morning to let this scene presented to us in the gospels sink in. And at the moment that Jesus is saying these words and giving these discourse in Matthew's gospel, this is what people know about him. He was born to a poor family. He's got no money, no reputation, no job, no resume. This is his final teaching before he is arrested and sentenced to death by the authorities of his day. And in this moment, in that context, Jesus tells his disciples and those of us listening in that he will come back at the end of time and he will be the judge of every person that has lived and ever will live. This is a bold and shocking thing to say. It was then and it is now. He's saying that although it appears that the sun revolves around the earth, it doesn't. And he's about to go on trial for his life in front of the judges of his day, but the gospel tells us this morning that he is in fact the judge and there will be a final trial of all people and the incarnate one, the crucified one, Jesus Christ will be king and judge. On that last day, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne and he will not be a baby in a manger. He will come as a king with all the accoutrements of the heavenly court and angels flanking his thrones and all the nations will be gathered before him. And Napoleon will be there and Fidel Castro will be there, and Pope Francis will be there, and you and I will be there. And our text this morning is not inviting us to ask wooden questions about like, how many people will fit before the throne? Or like, is that gonna be in English? Or are we gonna understand what's going on? Those are irrelevant for the scene at hand. We are called to this scene to be confronted by its solemnity, We are called to be sobered by it. And this scene is echoed again in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our text this morning is calling us into that reality that at the end of the age, everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you and I will be there. And we will stand before the one whom we acknowledge each week that all hearts are open to and all desires are known by him and the one from whom no secrets are hid. As we have been going through these parables the last several weeks, I have been like sitting with these parables And it really has caused me to think about my life, my current life situation very differently, that I am gonna stand before the throne for what comes out of my mouth and for the desires of my heart and for who I am willing to forgive. What a clarifying scene we are called to today. Not an invitation to guilt, but what a mercy actually, to be so clearly called into alignment to what God is doing in the world through Jesus Christ. And I think a helpful way to view our gospel reading today and the text that we have been moving through the last several weeks is like a wellness check. We've gathered here today for our annual physical. And what does the doctor tell us? Your blood pressure might be a little high. Maybe there's a lump that we need to look into. Your cholesterol is not quite where it needs to be. And the doctor gives you an assessment of your body and invites you to realign your body with the future that you desire, a future that calls into question current choices. And our gospel reading this morning is naming for us a certain future. Christ is king and invites us to examine our lives in light of that reality. Our text continues on, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left, and the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, and I was a stranger, and you welcomed me, and I was naked, and you gave me clothing, and I was sick and you took care of me, and I was in prison, and you visited me. And one of the striking things about this scene is that everyone there is surprised. The righteous do not stand before the throne and open up their coat of good deeds and say before the throne, look at all the good things I have done with my life. Of course not. Those on the right and on the left both respond with amazement. Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and give you food? When did we see you thirsty? When were you a stranger and we welcomed you? When did we see you sick or in prison? Those on the right are not aware that they had ministered to the hidden Christ Among the least of these and those on the left expected that they would be commended for their lives. This parable of the sheep and the goats is not about totaling up our good deeds. No one is going to stand before the judgment seat and say, look at all this good stuff I did. We will all stand before Christ. Have mercy on me a sinner by what you accomplished on the cross. This parable is about serving Christ the King in all of life and that Christ is hidden among us in places that we do not expect him to be. This parable is not about who's good or who's bad. It is that Jesus Christ is at the center He is the king and the judge, and it is about serving him and honoring him in everything we do. And one of the primary ways we serve and honor him is by serving and honoring the least and the lowly. One of the focal points of Matthew's gospel is his emphasis on two things at once, which are highlighted in our gospel reading this morning that Jesus is the cosmic king. And at the same time, he identifies with the lowly and the least. That these two things are held together in Matthew's, throughout Matthew's gospel and in our gospel reading this morning. Just before her tragic death, Princess Diana visited a hospital ward in Angola filled with disfigured and suffering patients. And after the visit, one of the American doctors that was traveling with her was interviewed. And he says that she lingered by the bedside and touched the faces of some of the most disfigured patients. Patients that many of the hospital staff could hardly even look at or be near. And he said, you can't fake that kind of nearness. Like you can't sit in that seat and touch that face without sincerity. It's too far actually to be done for show. It's not the kind of thing that someone would do for show. And this is one of the reasons that people loved, among many other, that people loved Princess Diana, that she was royalty. She was separate and did not have to be among people who were disfigured, but she was willing and wanting to be with the least. And so as we approach Advent, we are invited to put together in one picture, Jesus, the baby in the manger, his willingness to enter our lowliness in the incarnation, and his majesty as king of kings, And it is this combination that is so wonderfully profound about Jesus Christ. He is above all things and he is hidden in the least and the lowly. In our religious climate, much of what can get lost in our understanding of Jesus is our overemphasis on his willing to go low, which is of course a profound mystery, but it is the combination of his power and nearness to the least of these which is gathered up in our text today that bears witness to who Jesus Christ is. And this is what we hear in our gospel reading And this is also what we hear in our epistle reading in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, that God put his power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. The one who is incognito in the least of these is the same one whose name is above every name. Christ is king. Last year, about this time, I was reading this wonderful parenting book called Parenting Towards the Kingdom. And I was talking to my kids a lot about in that time about like living our lives towards the values and virtues of the kingdom of God. And during one of those conversations, my son looked at me and said, You have a king? And I said, Yeah, Jesus is king. And he said, Are you kidding me? I don't have a king. And he took off running. And it is very easy to live our lives with this underlying hypothesis. Are you kidding me? I don't have a king. And it's fleshed out in our decisions and the way we speak to each other and the way we choose our own comfort and the needs of others. And it's also our larger cultural hypothesis. Like I do what I want, right? With my body and with my time and with my money and with my stuff. It appears to us that the sun is revolving around us and it turns out that we are revolving around it and it's not my body and it's not my money and it's not my time and it's not my stuff. It all belongs to Jesus. All of it belongs to Jesus. And so I want us to recognize together that what we hear from the gospel this morning is a very countercultural way of viewing reality. We live in a world that centers and prioritizes the self, a world that wants me to believe that I am king. And as the people of God, we remember today that we are not king that Jesus Christ is King and we kneel and we bow and we practice a life in line with that reality. We are getting ready, amen. I wanna invite you into a moment of silent reflection. And in this moment, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer. King Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. And some of us might be here this morning in a spot that we might want to offer a precursor prayer, like I want to want. I don't want, but I want to want. I want to want to serve you. King Jesus, I want to serve you. Amen.